Steve? Hold on. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it started. Yeah, well, you said it started. Oh, hi, Steve. Oh, yeah, no, you're Andrew. <laughs> I am Andrew. Hi, Andrew, how are uh, you going? Oh, I've got a sore throat. Does that mean you're not going to talk so much? Um, well, you know, I'll, you know I'll, I'll, I'll just make sure what I do say is deep and meaningful and counts for something. Actually, that's, that's quite important to be able to say it a lot with a few words. Mm. My grandfather was like that. Was he? Yeah. Sometimes he would sit at the end of the table and just scowl, and it would say a lot. It would say a lot, yeah. yeah. Ah, all right. Cool. So, anyway, anyway, what have you seen in the news this week? What have I seen in the news this week? Um, oh, um, well, not that I like to talk about the guy, but um, old Donald Trump's cured cancer and AIDS. Really? Yeah. He can do. He can make a deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he was in. Um, he was at Minneapolis or some place, and he made an announcement saying that. Very shortly they're going to have a cure, and shortly they're going to have a cure for AIDS, and very shortly they're going to have a cure for cancer. So, I mean, if that doesn't win your win your votes, I don't know what will. I reckon, yeah. So I mean, well, if he can do that, I mean, he, I guess he's going to qualify for crash the car. Well, I mean, true. He must be lining up for next year's election, is he? Uh, well, that's coming up, but you know, he's got bigger fish to fry than that. You know, like qualifying for crash the car. But hey, he's done that if he's cured AIDS and cancer. I think I want to see the evidence. Well, so if no one, no one, if we don't see anyone get AIDS and cancer between now and crush the cargo, I think that's pretty good. Okay, right, cool. Yep. Anyway, what else is new in your world? Well, um, I learnt a Wikipedia game game this week. Wikipedia. I've heard of Wikipedia. Wikipedia. So there's a Wikipedia game where you you go like here's here's you just go on a site so you can go on. Oh right. Okay. Here's a site called Class Conflict, and then you hit the button that says, um, what was I reading about Class Conflict? Oh, that's oh, wasn't random article just on the left. Yeah. Click that, and it specs wine, spirits, and finer foods, and then you try and just using these blue links, try and find your way back to Class Conflict. Oh right. So um. Yeah, it's quite fun, really. So let's go. We've got culture. We've got Houston Chronicle. Education. No. Oh. Education. Where's that? That oh, might work. Just says there. Oh, no, that's not a blue link, though. We need a blue link. Transfer. Education, we'll try that. So higher education. That might be go to class conflict. Not really. No. That didn't go anywhere. Oh, this is, this, is, this is turning out to be a scintillating podcast, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, what we were going to do is um, call up um, this guy and see if he's ready. All oh, right. Yeah, we should. Who is he? Um, he is... Um, the re- premier. The premier ultra-running tulip-smoking... Friend of ours, <laughs> <laughs> but he might not be after we interview him. And our favourite left-wing capitalist. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a he was the um, he was the how would you say the 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 socialists <laughs> backbone of of Bill English's. Um, Campaign. Office. Yep, 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 yep. No, that's fair. The socialist background of yeah, and and yeah, and the green, the green side of the blue party. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, um, so if they if there was a blue green party, yeah, he'd he'd be right in there, wouldn't he? He would. He would. And I think he's actually advocated the blue green party to me. He has. Wonder if he's going to be available. Have we said his name, or have we just said what he is? We just said his. Do we know how to say his name? Rude. Is it rude? Rude or Rudy? Ru- yeah. Rudy. Rude. Rude. blank. For plunk. Oh, look at that. It must be a busy day down in Edendale. Well, he could still be picking tulips. Yes. Or there could have been a fire. He's a volunteer firefighter, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Although, can you imagine anything burning on a day like this? It doesn't feel like fire weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's mm. got that wet kind of cold feeling. Oh, it'll be a good night for a bit of burning. <laughs> Answer what? your phone. Answer your phone, Rude. Answer your Facebook phone. I wonder if he's actually standing us up. If he thinks this was all a big joke that we weren't uh, going to interview him at all. Oh, the revolution waits for no man. No, well, depends whether you make the revolution happen or not. Well, speaking of revolutions, yeah, um, you're you're um, familiar with old Pavlov, Pavlov. Yeah, dog. yeah, and his yeah. dogs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, like. And saliva and drooling and bells. Yeah, I'd imagine the the SBCA would probably what's the they probably wouldn't be a big fan of Pavlov. No. Yeah, I mean, the dogs were, because they were going to get fed by them. Yep, every time the bell rang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but he had an um, assistant. I can't remember if he if he fired his assistant or he docked his assistant's pay for turning up late. And But, of course, he was late because, you know, the, the, the revolution was on and there was sort of chaos on the streets and all that sort of thing, and he had to be careful that he didn't get killed on the way to work. Really? Yeah. Oh, was Pavlov like in Russia? Yeah. Huh. I suppose he would be with a name like Pavlov, but I didn't. Yeah. I never put the two together. So yeah. it was like 1917. Yeah, around about then, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. There you go. So have you ever done any of those saliva tests at the medical school? Have you even... What, and rung bells? Yeah. And see if I draw? No. What, what's your natural... What's your sort of... Um, saliva production like when bells ring uh, bells don't do it to me <laughs> <laughs> what what does it for you Steve um, what gets your bell ringing Pavlova interestingly enough <laughs> <laughs> right do you reckon actually would, would Pavlova be a good um, running food do you reckon nah too heavy too sugary too sugary too yeah too too sugary yeah Okay. But do you think it's named after Pavlov? Um, no, it was named after the ballerina. Uh, okay. Yeah, yep. I, think, I think someone in Australia came up came up with it first, I think. Well, this is great. Yeah. We could read um, the book about ultra running again. Well, we could just do that. I mean, people have probably been... Dying for it. Yeah, I wonder if we should yeah. just start it anyway, just in case. Well, it has something to do with running, the joy of running, the art of running, the love of running. Um, complete book of running. Oh, is that it? Yep, complete book of running. Here we go. Well, failing to get rude, we'll have to carry on with a complete book of running. Okay, well, can I finish making my cup of tea? Because I think it's steeped for long enough. Okay, you do that. All right. I might edit this pause out, but you know. Oh. But hey, we are look. Oh, 
Now this is good. You just said you said you weren't feeling particularly well. Oh. Well, this 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 chapter in the book starts with feeling phys- better physically. Oh right. Is it going to make my throat feel physically better? Well, and then it's got a subtitle that says running as an antidote to to what ails us. Right. I'm going to need sugar in my tea. Right. Anyway, um, still recording there, mate. Yep. Well, I guess we'll um we'll kind of like redo our intro because I mean we were going to we were going to be interviewing Rude, um, but sounds like he's probably been smoking a few too many tulips and he's forgotten. So is this the new intro now? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we wiped the previous intro. Well, no, we could still have that intro. Okay. We have two intros. <laughs> that's like the pre-intro. A pre-intro. And this is the intro. It'll be like a preamble and an amble. Yeah. Yep. Preamble, post-amble. We have a post-amble. Yep, yep. So an amble is the bit in the middle too. Can you yep. have an amble? Yep. Well, anyway. we're, well we're going to have an amble of the complete book of running. So remember the complete book of running? We started uh, with a prologue, which is the foreword, um, which is before the pre-word. Yep. Um, and now we've got to chapter one, which is called Feeling Better Physically, which in the subtitle, Running is an Antidote to What Ails Us, which means, Andrew, you have a sore throat, it ails you, you should go for a run. All right. Well, well, do I need to point out that there's a superstorm on its way? No. Probably not the best running conditions. Perfect running conditions. Have you run in a superstorm before? Well, ask me tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> is it still going to be park run tomorrow? Mo- is it still going to be park run tomorrow morning in they a superstorm? They can't cancel park run. I suppose it's they been... have before, haven't they? When? I'm sure they've cancelled a park run. Oh, I'm going to be there. Well, park run will be going somewhere. Tomorrow, so you could be there. Right. They have yep. cancelled it before for when they had slips. Remember they had some slips or something? Or they had no. it? Oh, anyway. No, anyway. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be going. Um, and uh, you can carry a lawnmower and get a world record for the fourth week in a row. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You'll probably want to go faster because the weather will be crap and it'll be snowing on you and it'll be minus four. Oh, I tell you what, I met the um, the surveyor who's doing the survey of Baldwin Street and going over to Wales to do the oh, survey. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, he goes to my gym. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I, su- I, su- I suggest he should take some Jaffers over when he goes over to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> See how well they run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's an awesome Right, idea. cool. Okay, so... Okay, r- and just before we start, <laughs> yeah. the picture's come up on your computer where you're... St- well, it's gone now, but you're standing on top of a mountain, a snowy mountain in a wetsuit. Yeah. Why? Well, I was marrying a couple, and it's the only suit I wear. So I'm a marriage celebrant. Yes. So I had to dress up in a suit. Do you do divorces as well? No. You don't have to celebrate a divorce. Yeah, some you would. <laughs> 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 you don't need a registered celebrant to celebrate a divorce. Right, okay. But I mean, it could be an angle you could start working on. Maybe you could do the weddings and I'll do the divorces. That would probably work. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're reading a book. <laughs> right, running is an antidote to what ails us. One, Including great... cancer and AIDS? Well, Donald Trump. He hasn't got them in the first well, couple maybe, of pages. Maybe, well, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe when he said we're going to cure cancer, we're going to, go, we're going to cure AIDS sooner, we're going to cure cancer even sooner, he's probably talking about when he finishes reading the book. Maybe. Or he could be a bit like, you know, this guy James Fix, who said running as an antidote to what ails us and then died of a heart attack. 
Yeah. So, that should have a disclaimer. <laughs> Running is an antidote to what ails us, except... Heart attacks. Heart, heart disease. Yep. But yep. it does do AIDS and cancer. Yeah. Yep, cool. cool. Okay. You can carry on. <laughs> One grey November morning, I was running near the edge of a lake. On a path ahead of me, an old on the man... Dry ed- on the dry side of the edge. Not the wet side uh, of the edge. Well, it doesn't... Well, you could run in the, inside the lake. Yeah. And this is like a really sort of steep drop-off right yeah. on the edge. Yeah, but you don't true. normally get that. You normally... It's more gradual usually, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting because they say, you know, like the Dead Sea is the lowest point on Earth. Is it? Yep. Is it, is it lower than Old Death Valley? Yeah. 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 So the Dead Sea is the lowest point on Earth, but the Dead Sea is actually dying. So it's, it's going down. The Dead Sea is actually dead. <laughs> yeah, but it's shrinking. Where's it leaking away into the ground, is it? No, it's just drying up and there's less going into it. So, so that means the lowest point on the Earth is getting lower. Yes. But it means if you stand inside the Dead Sea, you are standing below the lowest point on Earth. Yes. Well, yeah. when they say it's the last point on Earth, are they going from the top of the water or the bottom of the sea, like on the seabed? They're going from the dry bit, I think, so yeah. sure. Can you, sw- can you dive under it, or do you float to the surface? If you had enough rocks, you would. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. all right. I'll carry on. You, you wouldn't be able to breathe, though. That, that picture there's not in the Dead Sea, is it? No. no. Right. Okay. okay, so uh, one grey November morning, I was running near the edge uh-huh. of the lake. On the path ahead of me, an old man shuffled along slowly, using a cane. As I ran by, I called out, Good morning. He returned my greeting and then called after me unexpectedly. What do you gain by running? I shouted back, It makes you feel good. What I said was true enough, but it was hardly the whole answer. This chapter is an attempt to do belated justice to the old man's question. Don't you always feel like you should have answered a question with a hell of a lot more of an answer than you did at the time? Sometimes. No, I do. Um, Sometimes not. I bet you will. In about 10 minutes, you'll think of a longer answer for that question I asked you. Okay. Yeah, And tonight, you'll probably write a chapter on a book. Um, Undoubtedly. <laughs> anyway, for convenience, running's benefits can be divided into the physical and the psychological, even though the demarcation between them is not really clear. The psychological lift of running, for example, goes hand in hand with exercising for a certain length of time, 45 minutes or so. In this chapter, we will look briefly into some of the physical benefits of running. The people of most industrial nations are in terrible shape. They smoke and drink too much, way too much, exercise too little and eat too many of the wrong things. One pathologist, Thomas Bassler, uh, says that on the basis of autopsy as he has performed, two out of every three deaths in America are premature. They are related to what he calls loafer's heart, smoker's lung, and drinker's liver. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, who's this guy that's doing autopsies? He is a pathologist oh, called patholo- Thomas Bassler. And he said he ran that, he ran that he's cut open and died from... Two out of three deaths in America are premature, related to loafer's heart, smoker's lung, and drinker's liver. liver. Oh, I don't know. I'd, 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 I'd really like to see him like back that statement up. Like, I... This was written, what, 1970s? So things have changed. Yep. Well, AIDS hadn't really taken off at that point, so... That's very good, yep. Cancer had. Cancer was in full swing. Oh, cancer was having a good time. Yep. Yeah. Uh... And and there was a lot more smoking. 
Yes. So smoking in New Zealand in particular is reduced? Yeah, well, I've actually just been watching Mad Men, finished binge, binge watching it. Yeah. You know, and, and they're just smoking inside, you know, in the office. You know, first thing they do, come into work, break open the whiskey, have, it, have a cig inside. Good old days. I'll just have a sip of my beer. Yep. Well, this is the thing. I think people are more... Drink... I mean, well, I don't drink this, but um, smoke less. They vape more these days. There's a there's a sign at the hospital in the, the, uh, in the lift that says standing... No, sitting is the new smoking. Oh, okay. Which I mentioned that to one of my students and I said, does sitting give you lung cancer? I don't think that's what they mean. But never mm. mind. Anyway... Um, Thomas Curtin, a professor at the University of Illinois Physical Fitness Laboratory, has said the average American young man has a middle-aged body. He can't run the length of a city block. He can't climb a flight of stairs without getting breathless. In his 20s, he has a capacity that a man is expected to have in his 40s. Well, who decides that? Well, that's a really good point, because 200 years ago, life expectancy was half what it is now anyway. Oh, but, like, oh, oh my god but that, that was mainly because of that 15, year old, that 15 year old's got the body of a 40 year old <laughs> <laughs> well that's mainly because we learnt to wash our hands <laughs> yeah well isn't it isn't it true um, that a lot of the uh, the mortality rate of babies and stuff um, was because they were getting old was it fe- no not fecal matter like they are corpse matter or something what do you call like you know they'd, um, you know the doctors back in the day they'd be playing around with corpses and then they wouldn't wash their hands and they'd go and deliver babies and get I don't know like corpse oh, yeah. juice. Well, or... it didn't really matter what they were doing, corpse juice or anything. They just didn't wash their hands. Yeah. And it was a sign of success for a doctor to have lots of blood on their on their gown and stuff. Oh, I should be a doctor. So the more blood they had, the more obviously successful they were, which meant that um, they never washed. Because yeah. that will get rid of the blood. Is that how you got through your medical exams? By just dousing yourself in blood? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I did medicine a bit after those days. Oh, right. Well, okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right. Okay. But have you heard um, one of the latest um, cures for uh, obesity is um, fecal transplants? What, when you make them eat shit instead? No, you don't have to eat it. You, you insert it up the other end. So you take shit from a skinny person and you set it up the anus of a fat person. Who was who came up with that? <laughs> How would someone come up with the idea? Uh, who, who, <laughs> I mean, come on! It's like I oh know. I'll, I'll just like no. I'm, oh. No, it's true. It is. <laughs> Look, isn't the cure of obesity healthy diet and exercise? Yeah. Yeah, but but there is refractory obesity, so, and people just can't well, lose well, weight. Would you rather would you habits. rather exercise and have a healthy diet, or have someone else's poos pushed up your bottom? Well, the threat of someone else's poos up my bottom might do it for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. I reckon we've probably cured a lot of a lot of obesity amongst our listeners. <laughs> no, honestly, it's 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 something about the bacteria that's in the feces. Actually, um, I wonder how many obese listeners we've got. <laughs> how many listeners have we got? <laughs> <laughs> probably less now. Well, hold on. <laughs> Matt and Eugene, um, who we interviewed last week, well, they, they not... said they listened. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, they could do with losing a few pounds. 
There you go, Matt and Eugene, if you're, if you're listening here. Um, they could. They, 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 they need some. Like they can't do a fecal swap. Oh, yeah. You've because, got to take it from a skinny person. Yeah. Well, you're skinny. Yep. So, Maybe we could start marketing Crash Chicago weight loss poo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could put it in tablets. I was going, oh, it's like pulling an envelope and post it. <laughs> Oh, right, oh, we're reading a book, we're, <laughs> we're reading a book weren't we? Yep. Anyway. Um, Are we up to the... Yeah, no, the average American, young American, uh, he can't run the length of a city block. He can't climb a flight of stairs. Um, yeah. Without a poop transplant. <laughs> it would have to hold it in. Um, what about people who aren't so young? Curitan goes on. The average middle-aged man in this country is close to death. He has only one emotional shock or one sudden exertion away from a serious heart attack. Well, I think he's wrong there as well, because if this book was written, what, back in the 70s, was it? Yeah. All those people, there should be this, like... They're still like, alive. Ma- <laughs> yeah, they're still alive. Like, shouldn't they have died off if, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if their existence was so precarious? It's 79, that's 40 years ago. Yeah, I know some people who were middle-aged 40 years ago. That are still alive? Yeah. But were they the average person? back then oh yeah okay yeah, they might have been above average or yeah. below average or something okay um anyway he's only one emotional shock from a serious heart attack if that strikes you as over dramatic for the next few days notice the ages and the deaths columns and bear in mind that among british men a third of all deaths result from heart disease this is depressing maybe we should get another book like um that guy uh and 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 finn has just written a book we, well we could Australia. do that but yeah. like I like to finish what I start. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, we're up to page five anyway. Uh, no. Oh, no, up to page four. four. <laughs> <laughs> a third of all deaths result from heart disease. But isn't there a contradiction here? Participation in sports has doubled since World War Two, and a glance at any tennis court or golf course is enough to suggest that the rate of growth is currently accelerating. Unfortunately, however, only a fraction of the population does most of the participating. The rest are spectators. Ah, that's interesting because I reckon since seventies, huh. eighties, running has increased, but more for participation and less for spectators. Okay. So only the, the athletics clubs I reckon are dying because they were a spectator sport, where trail running is increasing because it's a participatory sport, but it's boring for spectators. Hmm. Okay. But who wants to participate in tra- track because you're just going around in circles and it's only the winner who gets any glory? Or in a trail event, everyone gets a glory because they've finished something which was really hard. Right. Oh. Cool. Like crush the cargo. Excellent. Yeah. <coughs> so. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. But I did say it. So it goes with saying. Okay. Anyway, the experience of Neil Carver, a lawyer, is typical. Carver is tall, rangy, and sturdily built. But at 33, he was out of shape. I was carrying my two children upstairs one night to put them to bed, he told me. They were aged 20 and 18. The Uh, children. (laughs) Doesn't say that, I just... (laughs) But he's carrying his two children in his bucket. And Um, how old is he? 30. He is 33. So he had children when he was, what, (laughs) nine? (laughs) I suspect his children were pretty small. Actually, how how young can a, a, a male... Father, a child. Well, when, after you've pretty much ejaculated, really. All right. When was your first time? I I 
maybe I was a late developer. <laughs> so oh. it might have been about 15, 16. Okay, cool. What about you? Oh, I can't recall. Oh, you're going to bluff out of that question well, after putting me on the spot. Well, we're reading a book. Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, I got so winded I could hardly breathe. I said to myself, I've got to do something about this. Carbon. Poo transplant. Yeah, that would help. Mm. Well, but they didn't have it in the 70s because of this modern technology. Carver started running. Today, seven or eight years later, he has not only competed in an eight-mile race, but spends part of every summer climbing mountains with his wife and children. Cool. Mm. Even young people are out of shape. In one American school, only eight ten-year-olds out of a class of 52 were fit enough to earn physical fitness awards. Not long ago, a study at Massachusetts General Hospital showed that 15% of 1,900 pre-teenagers had high cholesterol levels and 8% had high blood pressure. Both conditions are associated with an increased likelihood of heart attacks and strokes. Nor, despite our growing interest in sport, is our children's physical fitness getting any better. When 12 million youngsters from 10 to 17 years old were tested for the US Office of Education, strength, agility and speed showed no improvement over a 10-year period. There was one exception. Girls had slightly more endurance. Mm, funny that, but... Well, it wasn't this... Like when, when were old... Um, what's, his, what's her name, Catherine Switzer? When did she do the marathon? Was it the Boston Marathon? I think that was in the 80s. So, like, these women... So, people would have felt, like, these women had great endurance. Yeah. But they shouldn't use it, because if they did, their... Their their, nutritionists would drop out. Yeah. 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 They they, they believe this. I mean, I don't believe that. No. And I've never seen a uterus drop out in a race. I haven't seen a uterus drop out. But did you know that's called a uterine prolapse? I've, I've heard of a prolapse before. Yeah. Yeah, it's a race up in Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. What a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Riverhead prolapse. Anyway. Hashtag Aerodex. <laughs> There'll be less prolapse with Aerodex. That could be a slogan. It could be. We should suggest that to Raz. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be <laughs> no, no prolapse with aerodex. <laughs> anyway, um, doctors, the very people we might reasonably look to for guidance are in no better shape than the rest of us. Oh, thank you. No, it's true. In Southern California not long ago, 58 doctors were given physicals. Most were found to be in poor physical condition. One out of five smoked. That has changed. Less but, than one out of five smoked now. Doctors. How many, say, what would you say of a percentage of doctors? Probably about 1% at the most. What? It, at the most. What? Yeah, okay. In, in New Zealand, anyway. What about? A fat, a fat. There must be a lot of doctors that drink. That's probably more like 99%. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that'll be fairly high. Okay. But not drink a lot. No. Yeah. Um... Two out of three doctors were overweight. Eh, unfortunately, I don't know if we're that much better. Well, you must be the, the, the other doctor. I'm the doctor that's not practising, that's why I'm not overweight. Yeah, uh, No, well, you, you, you haven't <laughs> had the tran- poo transplant? No, I never had a poo transplant, but my poo is available if anyone wants to purchase it. 0800 poo swap. <laughs> 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 and we'll put it in an envelope. 
I do have some spare um, poo. Seal um, envelopes, um, okay. plastic bags. With, yeah. the, the, with the window on them? Like, yeah. Uh, no, no, the plastic, yeah, they're just yeah. plastic bags, yep. So you can, but, but Ziploc ones. Yeah, okay. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, one in four had high blood pressure, one in five had an abnormal ECG, electrocardiogram, while exercising. And more than half had high serum lipid levels. Serum what? Lipid levels, that's like cholesterol. Right, why don't I just say cholesterol then? Because cholesterol is just one version of fat. Uh, I didn't even realise cholesterol was fat. Should we pause and say hello to Wendy? Hello Wendy. Hello Wendy, pause. No wonder. So, so yeah. um, <coughs> we have just restarted after saying hello and um, uh, looked up information about fecal transplantation procedures. There's and, transplantation. Uh, there is transplantation, and it costs uh, $1,595 per treatment. Which is performed by colonoscopy. What is that? What that does that mean? It's a big tube up your bottom. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Can any old doctor do it? No, you've got to be a, 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 a person who's trained in colonoscopies. I mean, what sort of doctor specialises in asses? Anologist. No, a proctologist. And, and in fact, just general surgeons. Yeah, but, but who grows up going, I want to be a proctologist when I'm older? I do remember this. One of my, the, the general surgeons I worked with, and, and he spent a lot of time playing with colons. And he had a choice when he was training between doing breast surgery and colon surgery, and his mother was very disappointed with him. Because he went for the he went Colons. he went for the downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd be questioning that man's sanity. But no, it's the most common. Yeah. It's the most common uh, general surgical. Oh well. Areas. Well, I suppose as a doctor, you probably, you probably don't get grossed out by stuff, do you? No. Yeah. Probably not. No. <laughs> All right. Cool. Should we carry on with the book? Yep. <clears throat> oh, do we even finish reading that? What? About the uh, the about the um no, the no. fecal transplantation. Do you want to read it? Uh, well, basically, it costs. Actually, who are they saying provides it? Open Biome. Um, we provide um the fecal matter transplants, upper delivery, and lower delivery. Oh, so is the upper delivery. You know, down the top, yeah, and other ones up the bottom. Yeah, you can if you want, but it's what? less common to have it from the top. What would you go for? I think I'd go for the bottom, okay. but I think you get sedated anyway. So, well, how big's the tube? <laughs> well, it's really it's it's like little finger size. Oh well, that's like a. Um, why do you need to be sedated for the, that? I think it's just because it's kind of like weird having something. Threaded up your bottom. You... It's about a metre long. Oh, is it that long? Yeah. Oh, wow. That would be weird. Why does it have to go that far up? Well, they're going up the whole colon, oh. which is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the condition may reflect the attitude of a young doctor friend of mine who smokes heavily. I don't worry about lung cancer, he told me. By the time I get it, they'll have a cure for it. Well, they nearly do. Well, they will before the 2020 elections, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump does, yes. Um, not all doctors are so devil-may-care. Many, because they are so grievously overworked, give most of their time to emergencies. Uh, 
or cases in which pain must be alleviated. Inevitably, giving advice on how to stay well falls to the bottom of their list of priorities. Oh dear, this is sad. Things have changed, you know. 40 years, things have changed a lot. Right. This is depressing. Dr. John Williams, Medical Director of the Farnham Park Rehabilitation Centre and Secretary General of the International Federation of Sports Medicine, told me the doctor's biggest problem is the pressure of work. I reckon you've got bigger problems than that. Well, you're saying I don't have much work pressure. It's <laughs> <laughs> the least of your problems. <laughs> Right, how am I going to afford that fecal matter transplant? God, fifteen hundred bucks. I think I've got a niggle in my hip flexor. I think that's probably my bigger problem mm. at the moment. But anyway, if our doctors can't be expected to bring us good health, to whom can we look? The answer is plain to ourselves. This conclusion received support recently from Dr. John Knowles, president of the Rockefeller Foundation. John Rolls. John Knowles. Oh. But he could have been singing it. Yeah. Uh, noting that many people regard sloth, gluttony, alcohol, intemperance, reckless driving, sexual frenzy, and smoking as constitutional rights. Huh? <laughs> yeah, having a having a sex frenzy is a constitutional right. But he didn't mention carrying arms. It's in the it's in, it's in, the, it's in the Treaty of Waitangi, down, down in the small print at the bottom. Hold on, it doesn't say anything about military weapons. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, and expect the government to pay for the consequences, Knowles argued that this attitude and the kind of medical system it produces will inevitably lead to higher costs. The next major breakthrough in medicine, he predicted, will come through changes in the way we live, not through anything doctors, hospitals or drugs can do to cure what Dr Williams has called the pathology of pleasure. All right, can we discredit this guy yet? Why? Did you disagree with anything that he, he's just said? I didn't really pay attention because I was reading it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Carry on then. But I do like that phrase, the pathology of pleasure. Yeah, would you like me to read? No, no, I'm fine. Okay. Because I'm reading so that you can pay attention. Okay. You could discredit it if you like. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I am, you know, you know, I've got my medical training also, but not as extensive as yours. This book isn't for medical trained. It's a definitive handbook for runners of all ages and abilities. Even... Yeah. Even, even, even the even, even the fat ones, even intellectual disabilities. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even fat ones. True. <laughs> okay. So the pathology of pleasure. Okay. The pathology. Should we start? Should we add that for the next catchphrase for crush the? Is that like the autopsy of pleasure? Where's that from? <laughs> I don't know. What's a is a pathology? Isn't uh. Pathology is a disease, yeah, disease of systems of, of uh, the body. So, uh, yeah. The, yeah, okay. So, so in, in, in ultra running, I think we're more about the pathology of suffering, but never mind. Um, <clears throat> an easy way to effect a favourable change in your, uh, your way of living is by running. Here you go. Running is one of the best exercises there is and certainly the simplest. When workers in a Soviet factory took up running, they reduced the number of days lost annually through sickness from 436 to 42. Wow. Where was that? In Soviet, in the USSR. Ah, great, great place. Yep. So, we haven't mentioned Chernobyl yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway. They ran out of there quickly. <laughs> it didn't do much good. Yeah. The days lost annually through sickness from 436 to 42. Um, furthermore, studies have shown that practically everyone can benefit from the sport. The University of Michigan's Physical Performance Research Laboratory has demonstrated that even extremely overweight people can significantly improve their physical condition in as little as three weeks. Yeah. In three weeks? Yeah. So, like, what... Significantly what? improve your physical condition in three weeks, Andrew. How significant? It's just significant. Okay. Well, you class is significant. If you are if you're a fat, overweight, clinically obese person that decide they're gonna start running and get fit, what'd be a significant run? Something that would make you feel significantly less fat and obese. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. Cool. An important indicator of overall health is cardiovascular endurance. There you go. So being able to run further. How about that? Right. Yeah. Cardiovascular what, sorry? Endurance. Oh, okay. Well, I think we can discredit that comment. So in three weeks, a significant improvement will be be able to run two minutes to be able to run 20 minutes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, that'd be, just add a zero on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, Which is what running, particularly when done at pace fast enough to make you breathe hard, develops. Of course, there are other exercises that build such endurance, bicycling, swimming, and rowing among them. But only running can be done anywhere. It requires practically no equipment and costs almost nothing. What's the weirdest place you have ever run? The weirdest place? Hmm. don't think I have run anywhere weird, off the top of my head. You so know. you run different places? So you, got, you turned up somewhere, you travelled somewhere, and thought, oh, I'll go for a run. Invercargo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Have you run an Invercargo? Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. Good. Okay. <laughs> okay, but only running can be done anywhere. It requires practically no equipment, costs almost nothing. You can go... Oh, no, that's not true. Isn't it? Well, no, it's like... You know, you, you buy a pair of shoes and you get your, your hydration pack and your fancy running shorts and your... Chorus watch. Yeah, you buy your Aerodax. Chorus New Zealand. Yeah, at uh, Chorus New Zealand. Yeah, hashtag cor, cor, Chorus. Chorus New Zealand, yeah. yeah. And you pack uh, hashtag Ultra Spy New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you don't need those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you need a Chorus. <laughs> and the Ultra Spy pack. Yeah. Especially yeah. the Epic. And yeah. the Zygos 4. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but apart you don't really need those. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Grant. <laughs> All right, carry on. So, I mean, I'm, I mean, bearing in mind... Hashtag Aerodex. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, bearing in mind this guy died of a heart attack, I'm, I'm pretty willing to discredit a lot of the things that he says. And, yeah, I mean... So, if he had had a Chorus watch and Aerodex and an Ultra Spire vest... He might still be alive today, 40 years later. Well, he would have had to have been alive today to have those things. <laughs> because I don't think they were back in the 70s. Okay, so if we took all those things back to the 70s, he could still be alive. Yeah, but if you could go back in time, would you really want to go back to the 70s? 
I'll be there way more interesting times to go back to. I started high school in the 70s. I was born in the 70s. Okay. I was just a twinkle in my father's eye in the 70s. Oh, no. Your dad must have had a big eye. (laughs) No, he wasn't alive then. (laughs) What else happened in the 70s? Uh, John Lennon was alive in the 70s. How about that? Yeah, he was alive. Yeah. Um, What else? Bay of, no, that was the 60s. 77, Elvis Presley died. On the shitter? I wasn't there, so I don't know. No, I think he died on the toilet, didn't he? Wasn't he, didn't he choke on the steak on the head? <laughs> Speaking of overweight and obese, actually, he, he, <laughs> if he had to start a running... He, he could, he probably, maybe Elvis, do you reckon he had a copy of this book? <laughs> it would have made, the world would be, a, you know, he's still the number one best-selling... Uh, recording artist. Really? Yeah. I thought it was like Michael Jackson or someone. No, no, it's it's Elvis Presley. Well, it wasn't the quiz night I did last month. Do you know Elvis Presley was a pedophile? No, that was Michael Jackson. <laughs> no, no, it was Elvis Presley as well. How old do you think Priscilla Presley was when they got married? Yeah, okay, that's fair call. Yeah. All those all those guys, that, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, he married, a, what was it, Jerry, Jerry Lee Lewis? He married his 13-year-old cousin or... Oh, it's disturbing. Yeah. They should have taken up running. Yeah, it would be much healthier. I wonder if there's a chapter on this acceptable. about avoiding pedophilia or something. Yeah, run. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't see a chapter on that. Right, let's carry on. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but only running can be done anywhere. It requires practically no equipment and costs almost nothing. I think I've done that sentence four times now. You can go right out of your front door and get started. You don't need a bicycle, a swimming pool, a you, boat, or a court. You can start before your front door. Yeah, I can't get a GPS signal inside my front door. Mm. Yeah. Not the most important thing to worry about, <laughs> you know. And I only have my sandals to strap up at the front door. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. This uh, is a shoeless house. <laughs> yeah, you don't need a track either. I have run on paths, roads and highways and parks and fields on and, on the, and on the main roads of London, New York, Florence, Vienna and Paris. I've only done two of those cities. Which ones? London and Paris. I've been to London, I never ran there. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was cool, I went there around Christmas and ran up and down, zigzagged over the River Thames going across as many bridges as I could. Yeah. And then did oh. the same in Paris two days later. All right, carry on. Okay. Yep. No, yep. no, you're good. You can run at dawn, at midnight, or whenever it suits your schedule and your fancy. Oh, have you gone for midnight runs through Dunedin on Saturday nights? Not for a long time. Have you? Yeah. When? Um, a couple of months ago was the last time I did it. It's Why? Quite fun. Because I had to go pick up my car from somewhere else in Dunedin. Oh, okay. But it was quite fun. It's, it's like. It's just a different world. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, an alcohol-sozzled world. Yeah. So you're running a straight line and Actually, everyone else is, isn't. That's the thought. <laughs> I, want to, I want to start a running group called Dixie's Midnight Runners, uh-huh. where we go for midnight runs. Ooh. And we chase Eileen. Yeah. <laughs> the lead runner has to be Eileen. <laughs> Come on. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I just found our theme song for the episode. Yep, yeah, True. <laughs> 
Well, speaking of runs, we have um, initiated a new octagon marathon, but anyway. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that later. Okay. I have run and enjoyed it in snow, sleet, wind and hail, and on the most forbiddingly hot days of an Athens summer. As a runner named Stan Gerstein st- told me, there's nothing quite like the feeling you get from knowing you're in good physical condition. I wake up alert and singing in the morning, ready to go. I've never woken up singing. I'm... I think my wife is glad I don't wake up singing. Has he ever woken up singing? <laughs> Does he sing in his sleep? Let me tell you some stories. Come on over here. We'll, we'll here. just leave that out. We'll just leave that <laughs> <laughs> We don't need to answer those yes, questions. No, we need, we need to know more about your bedroom habits, Steve. If you were to wake up singing, what would you say? <laughs> um, holy Diver. What? Dio. Holy Diver! <laughs> Jump, jump into the midnight sea. Never heard of it? No. Okay. Not. Oh, carry on. Hopelessly devoted to you. Oh, I can't believe you haven't... I can't believe you haven't heard Holy Diver. No, not into that. Much more into Greece. Uh, Ronnie James Dio, he was the guy that replaced Ozzy in Black Sabbath. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, maybe we could use that for our theme song for this episode. Over that or Greece. All right, well. Anyway. Uh, so, whenever it suits your schedule and your fancy, I've run and enjoyed it in snow. I've read that bit. Um, running's physiological values There's are a attested. And a half in everyone. Sorry. <laughs> this, is this, ho- a- this is Holy Diver. Ooh. You wake up singing that, it sounds like you're still breathing heavily. Well, the, the words haven't kicked in yet. <laughs> Great running song. Would be. I've, I've made that noise when I've woken up. <laughs> <laughs> have you recorded it? Yeah, yeah. No, I've never recorded myself sleeping. I'd have to start recording like before I wake up. Mm. Yeah. Not very good. <laughs> Ride the tiger! Ride the tiger! Right, um, anyway, as we were. Yep, so running's physiological values are attested to by the growing number of physicians who use running as a form of pre- preventive medicine and the belief that it's better to keep someone well than to cure him after he gets sick. I thought the doctors had to keep people sick so you could keep on selling them the the big pharma medication. No, no, no. Actually, we're trying to work ourselves out of business. Well, I'm not because I'm teaching doctors, but I'm trying to teach doctors to work themselves out of business. Yeah. (laughs) No, seriously. Yeah. All right, so... want to be cynical about this. So if you weren't a doctor, what would you be? Oh, I'd... Be a CEO of a big pharmaceutical company. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Anyway, Dr. George Sheehan, an American cardiologist, says running is a physiologically perfect exercise. Running uses large thigh and leg muscles in rhythmic fashion at a personally controlled rate. This is a requirement... Of course they're personally for... controlled. Who else is going to be controlling your legs? <laughs> Well, that is a question. <laughs> Who operates your legs, Steve? <laughs> Wendy? Would I wake up alert and singing in the morning? <laughs> Stop playing with my legs, Wendy. 
This is a requirement for safely developing maximum cardiopulmonary function. It is for this reason that Sheehan recently referred to a new trend in medicine prescribing sport instead of drugs. Oh, they've started doing that here too, with green prescriptions. Mm. It is not, of course, really new Green at prescriptions, all. is that um, medicinal marijuana? <laughs> <laughs> not yet, but... <laughs> so when that, when that gets legalised, can you write me up prescriptions? No, I can't, because I haven't oh. got an annual practicing certificate, Andrew. Oh, how much is it going to cost you to get that? Is it cheaper than a um, faecal implant? Uh, no. Mm. A fecal implant would be much cheaper. But if you are a practicing doctor, you could give me a prescription for, for, for medicinal marijuana. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh well. And and only with good reason, anyway. Oh, it's for my lungs. <laughs> 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 and anyway, I don't know if that would improve your cardiopulmonary function. Hmm. So I don't think that's what they mean by a green prescription. I think they're talking about exercise and yeah. healthy eating. Well, anyway, I wouldn't advocate green foods. I like wouldn't. I wouldn't spinach. Ab- yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't advocate illegal drug use anyway. No, of course not. But you would advocate spinach. Yeah. Not smoking. Legal, legal, <laughs> legal drug use is fine. Yeah. Except if they're from big pharmaceutical companies. Hmm. In a way. Uh, oh, but but. You know, other things aren't like hashtag go healthy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you think about it, like, isn't like turmeric supposed to be quite good? But yeah, yeah, but um, pee like meth. That's yep. um, that's um, big pharma. When you think about it, you know all the precursor stuff in it. The well, pseudo it's capital e- P anyway. Yeah, the pseudo ephedrine because yep. that's got to come from. The- <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Right. Yep. Oh well. Uh, so we've got big pharma to blame for the the meth crisis. Yeah, oh, I think we should blame them for a lot of crises. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, wait, okay. Maybe yeah. change from blaming boomers for everything. Mind uh, you, a lot of boomers oh. started big pharma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. In well, our own time, the philosopher Paul Weiss, writing in Sport, a philosophic inquiry, has said athletics, because it enables one to move from a poor to a better state of being, can be viewed as a branch of medicine but one which fortunately finds room for the expression of spontaneity, ingenuity, and judgment. Okay. Whatever. Um, For the moment, let us consider only the way running combats the risk of developing heart trouble. Dr. Robert Jones, a preventive medicine specialist, cites 15 factors that indicate the likelihood of having a heart attack. Blood pressure, activity, weight, mood and coping style, fasting blood sugar, triglycerides, they're a type of fat too, fibronolone, cigarette smoking, diet, electric... Just cigarette smoking? What about other kinds of smoking? It just mentions that. Tulip Um, smoking? Doesn't say tulips. Diet doesn't say sniffing tulips either. Electrocardic, I suspect sniffing is probably worse because of the pollen. Greens, I, I wonder if you can smoke tulips, actually. Electric, cardiogram greens, gram readings, uric acid, pulmonary function, glucose tolerance, heredity, cholesterol. <clears throat> of the 15, exercise may improve all except heredity. That's pretty good. And therefore, a strong suspicion that it is not heredity itself, but family living patterns that are most significant. Although smoking and dietary habits, for example, are not directly altered by running, anyone who becomes a regular runner will probably stop smoking, eat less, and eat a more balanced diet. Running can therefore significantly reduce the risk of developing coronary heart disease. 
It can also, as well as will be discussed in Chapter 21, help us bring heart attack victims back to full vigour, even allowing them to compete in gruelling marathons. Gruelling marathons? Gruelling, yep. Okay. Yep, so this guy, he had a heart attack, but he didn't come back to full vigour. Uh, was it half vigour? No, it was... Three-quarter vigour? It was more like rigour. Rigor, rigor mega mortis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jim. Yeah, you know, he got rigor mortis. <laughs> anyway, while not all the physical effects of running are so dramatic, most of them are equally welcome. A doctor named William Fortner told me that his chronic tension headaches go away when he runs, and Barbara Orr, a Californian doctor, said, I love running because you feel so good. It keeps my tennis game in shape. I tennis can... would probably keep a tennis game in shape, too. <laughs> I can get to the ball better, and it makes my legs slim. Oh, yeah, 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 take that. But I thought, didn't they say before that it made your legs bigger? Doesn't make my legs slim. Oh, have I mean, you seen my quads lately? Have you seen Grant guys play tennis? Well, my quads are as big as his quads now. Are they? Yeah. Oh, that's saying a lot. You want to compare my quads with Grant guys? Um, well, if it's here, I'll, I'll definitely be getting the tape out. I think we should, eh? Mm. We should challenge him to a quad size test. Yeah, a quad off. A quad off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're <a> ready. <laughs> Running does some other startling things. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> we live in an age when it is considered desirable to be young and unfortunate to be old. So if staying young... Well, how, young how young are we talking? Uh, I, I, I would say 20s and 30s. It's It's... Yeah. So I sure as shit wouldn't want to be a 14-year-old again. No. No. I reckon like late teens. I could handle uh, being late. Yeah. I'd, I'd still like to be in school. I'm not even sure about early 20s. Yeah. I'd like to be able to... I reckon around the 16, 17, 18, I'd like to... Maybe 17. I'd go for 17. Yeah. I quite enjoyed 18. Not yeah. 17. No. Yeah. But 18 was quite good. Right, when and then you... it went downhill again and picked up again on about 25. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. 32 oh. was good year. Yep. 33 was a bad year. Yep. Oh. 1933. 40 was when I started running. Oh, yeah. Well, that thing's picked up then. Yep, obviously. Look at the state of you now. Yeah. All that obesity's gone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should have seen me beforehand. Oh, yeah. I was almost fatter. <laughs> I was almost fat. <laughs> Dr. Fred Cash studied 43 middle-aged men for 10 years. See, I was a middle-aged man then. Checking at intervals on their maximum heart rate, their oxygen processing ability, the pumping power of their hearts, and what doctors call peripheral vascular resistance. All of them commonly accepted indicators of aging. Previous studies had shown what would happen to a group of sedentary middle-aged men during a similar period. Cash was interested to find out what, if anything, would happen if the men exercised, so he put them on a program of either running or swimming. At the end of the decade, none of the four indicators showed any signs of increasing age, and two of them, the so, body's oxygen processing capacity and the amount of blood pumped in a single on, he, heartbeat, suggested a decrease in age. So this doctor, he, he started doing a study on these guys, mm -hmm. and he waited to... What, how long did the study go on for? Ten years? Ten years. And he didn't start making them exercise until the end of it? No, no, he he got them exercising the whole time. Oh, okay, yeah, mm. yeah. So I just yep. heard you wrong. Yep. And he showed that they didn't increase their age during that ten years. Well, 
It's in ridiculous. The indicators. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I was going to say because the age actually did increase ten years. Yeah, but you're only as old as you feel. Right. I've read that somewhere. How old do you feel? I feel twenty-five. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to be brutally honest. You don't look 25. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got no idea. How do you answer that question? I mean, <laughs> how old do you feel? <laughs> well, you're drinking, so you must be at least 18. <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say how old I feel. <laughs> how old do you feel? How old do I feel? Well, I reckon well, I'm quite immature, so I'm going to go 15. Yeah, but how do you know you don't feel 70? Well, what does a 70-year-old feel like? Exactly. Probably lumpy. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> they feel lumpy and lumpy wrinkly. And they're probably... I have wrinkles. They're probably a bit crusty. But I don't feel the wrinkles. They're probably, so... I think they get a bit crusty around that age, don't they? Where? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the doctor. <laughs> okay. Anyway, as a side benefit, blood pressure stayed below average and in a number of cases even declined. Below average is declining. No, no, it stayed below average, and some people have got less. So oh, rather than yeah. going up, because it is standard for your blood pressure to increase with age. Right, Because you do get crusty in your arteries, oh, and that's normal aging. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. don't they just uncrust the arteries? It's like put your hands in and squeeze them a bit and break them up. Oh, just you know what you know. Just need to get a brush in there, like a like a chimney sweep. Oh, like sweep a chimney sweep. Of. Yeah, well, they kind of do. <laughs> it's called angioplasty. <laughs> yeah. They can put these balloons in and squeeze it. And they give it a coronary artery. Why don't they give it a vein? Why don't they call it a vein sweep? Yeah, it's not the veins that's the problem. The arteries are different to the veins. Oh, they're the same thing. They're just big veins. Well, they're also kind of more important veins because they've got high blood pressure and they need blood to go to the tissue rather than away from the tissue. But this is getting a bit technical, really. Anyway. These scientific findings are borne out by common sense observation. Like the state of that guy. Oh, that's Stephen Richardson. Who's he? I don't know. Maybe we're going to find out. Okay. In their 60s and 70s, runners move with an easy grace, not often found in people even two or three decades younger. I have often seen what I took to be a young man or woman running towards me, then being startled to discover that he or she was in fact middle-aged. Has that happened to you? No, no, because I'll usually recognise them when they're running towards me and know that they're middle-aged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it'll be someone I know. I'll say you're pretty um, familiar with the, the running community in Dunedin. Especially the middle-aged running community. Yes, yeah. yeah. Stephen Richardson, that's that picture, is such a person. In his late 50s, he is tall and lean. And when, when Oh, his late 50s, that's pretty good. When training... He does look like he's got old man sort of... Um, Upper chest. Yeah, like mine, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when training for marathons, he runs as many as 20 miles a day, and he has run them fast enough to be the envy of many 20-year-olds. Richardson is almost always taken for a man several years younger than he is. I did get that recently at Pub Runners. Someone said, you can't be that old. That was right. quite flattering. Now, who was it recently? They I found it someone's age, and I was actually quite surprised. Um... No, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Can't remember. So what age do you think I am? If you if you if you kind of just looked at me. 
and I wasn't wearing reading glasses sitting on the end of my nose. Well, I, I know how old you are, Steve, because didn't you win the old man race at um at Mount Difficulty? Yeah, but yeah. you only have to be fifty to win that. So we know you're at least fifty. Yeah. But yeah. How old above fifty? Fifty-two. Aha! There you go. Several years younger. Well, one year younger. Yeah, true. I'm fifty-three. Oh, look at <laughs> look at all that 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 that, <laughs> that thirteen years of running's taken a whole. It, it's made you look a whole year younger. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> For what it's worth, people usually think I am seven or eight years younger than I actually am. At any rate, they say that's what they. Think. Is that enough of a payoff, like to only look seven? Or eight? You want to look at least twenty years younger. Well, that, depends that, how old you are. If you're twenty-eight, you're twenty years younger. That would be a bit. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay for that. <laughs> well, no. Isn't he talking about middle-aged fatties? Oh yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but I think he's only about forty at this stage. Oh okay. So that takes him down to about 30. So he didn't actually live much longer than that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he died in about 50, 10 years later. Yeah, okay. How are we going for time, Steve? Oh, time. Yeah, yeah, we're doing okay. Okay. We probably need to do a few more minutes. Yeah. Okay, cool. We could at least make it to page 10. I think we should. That that will probably be a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few, I think, at this rate. Anyway, we're up to page 8. What page do we start on? Page 2? 1. 1? Oh, what? We've got through 9 pages. Yeah. Well, 8 pages. Anyway, this sort of compliment can, however, have its grisly side effects. Richardson works at a medical college. Not long ago, an anatomist colleague looked him up and down and remarked, you'll make a fine corpse, no fat to cut through. Ah. Yeah, okay. okay. I, I got that when I had to go to the hospital in February and have an ultrasound on my leg. And they said you're not fat enough. No, they said it's easy to see your muscles. Oh, okay. Which I thought was meaning I've got quads like Grant guys, but actually they meant there was just no fat. Well, maybe Grant's legs are mostly fat and not muscle. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe he gets yeah. that sort of, some sort of filler in there. Yep. Well, he has missed out on Hard Rock this year, so that could be... Be something to Didn't do everyone that. miss out on Hard Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Except those who came to the longest, shortest day, they still got to kiss the rock. Yeah. Anyway, another benefit of getting into shape through running is that the pleasure of sex for both men and women is invariably heightened. Well, I don't have a girlfriend, so this hasn't been heightened for me. It doesn't... It's, it's not restricted to girlfriends, Andrew. I don't have a boyfriend either. <laughs> You've got Archie. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I have seen Animal Farm, but it was purely for research. <laughs> Being in good physical condition involves not just muscles, the heart and the lungs, but all the senses. Runners are more aware of themselves and of others and are able to participate more fully in all aspects of life, including the sexual. Is As you mentioned. Yeah, he's he likes he's mentioned this quite a bit. And I know. In the 70s, it's... It's kind of like after the free love thing, because it was kind of flower power hippie thing, right, wasn't it, in the yeah, early yeah. 70s? Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of like, this is post, I am the walrus, you know, we are you, I am he, he is the butcher, Yeah. I am the butcher, no. Joan Butcher. Yeah, I am the walrus, that kind of thing. Okay. Yep. I don't know the Beatles sang about Joan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, Bono, Bono sung that in this movie. What movie? So I thought it was quite cool. It was called Across the Universe. It was a movie unit using a whole lot of Beatles songs. 
and 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 Bono was the the weird kind of Tim O'Leary inspired LSD acid communist kind of person who yeah. believed we could create a better world by all getting on acid and singing I Am The Walrus. I think it probably w- the world would be better. If Bono sung I Am The Walrus? No, if certain people took LSD. But speaking of Bono, what's the difference between Bono and Jesus? Jesus just thinks he's a messiah? Oh no, that's no, our way around, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, Jesus doesn't think he's Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Despite this, bene- <laughs> despite this beneficial effect on physical vigor. Oh, I thought we were talking about still talking about Bono singing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, physical vigor. <laughs> I've actually I've, I've seen Bono. So have I. I went to a concert in ninety no two thousand seven. Really? Why? I, I saw him get in Dublin getting out of a taxi. Everyone in Dublin saw him. No, I I did. I remember, I was, I remember I was when I was... Down, oh, no, well, okay, you tell me yours, Bono's okay, story. It, no, well, I was practising as a doctor once. and, once. and uh, Not anymore. I was working at a urgent medical clinic that shall remain unnamed, and I'd, occasionally, I'd often get tourists coming through, and every time I got an Irish one, I'd say, do you know Bono? And they would all say, yes, I know Bono, I went to school with him. Or, I know Bono, I went to his nightclub and shook hands with him. I know Bono, I had a beer with him. I know they all knew Bono. It was really quite funny. Well, they're a friendly bunch, the Irish. <laughs> yeah. That tells some good stories. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, um... So your story, because you're Irish. Well, no, well, no I, I lived in Dublin for three yeah. years, as, we, as, as, right. as you know. Yes, I don't yes. know if the listeners know, but they do now. And this was going back, oh, I guess it was like the mid-2000s or late 2000s, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And um, just, just before the economy over there went belly up, and anyway, um, I was I was walking down some street one night, and I heard out, I'm not going to do the accent, but I just heard someone shout out, Bono, you racist bastard! <laughs> and I thought, oh, Bono's around. And I, and I looked over, and there he was getting over a taxi with his wife. And yeah. the, the person yelling it out was the itch? <laughs> no, no, no. No, just another friend. Just, just a random. Oh. Just a random. Because that's kind of like a friendly greeting in Ireland, isn't it? Well, Bono, you racist bastard. Well, to abuse someone. All right. <laughs> anyway. Well, next time you see an Irishman, tell him he's a racist bastard and see how that works out. <laughs> I should have done that when I was practising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they walk through the door. <laughs> you racist bastard. What Penny, can I do? you racist what, bastard. What, 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 can, what can I do for you? <laughs> oh, to be sure, to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. We said we're going to read 10 pages. Let's do it. <laughs> Despite this beneficial, <laughs> beneficial effect on physical vigour and the ageing process, however, running has not yet been shown to make people live longer, though in all likelihood... Well, chap- it didn't make him live <laughs> no. longer. <laughs> in all likelihood, as Chapter 4 suggests, it will one day be demonstrated that this is so. Robert Glover, a one-time physical fitness director at a large YMCA, YMCA in New York City... I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> and a tireless proselytizer of running says... We don't guarantee to add years to your life, but we will add life to your years. 
I like that. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, no, I do yeah. like that. Finally, yeah. someone's talking some sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken nine pages. Um, unlike many other physical activities, running qualifies as a lifetime sport, one that can be enjoyed long after hey. co- contact sports have become too hazardous. Lawn bowling you could do for a lifetime. Yeah, but you don't start it earlier. <laughs> well, there's nothing to stop you starting it. <laughs> Except boredom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, this is why so many government-sponsored fitness campaigns stress running over other sports. To launch a Keep Fit program in Scotland in 1978, for example, three Scottish MPs, Teddy Taylor, Harry Ewing and Hector Munro, cool names. Mm-mm. Teddy Taylor, Harry Ewing and Hector Munro, Munro, mm-hmm. yeah, went jogging in St James's Park. And needless to say, made sure that news photographers were there to give the event its proper place in the annals of British history. The Health Council, for its part, launched its fitness programme with the catchy slogan, Improve Your Sex Life with a Pair of Plimsolls. Did they? <laughs> well, that's a plimsoll. And what's, how can I use what's that? catchy about that? <laughs> and how can I use that in my sex life? I think they need some crush the car. What's a plimsoll? Is, is, is it like an inner soul? No, it's, it's like an umbrella, I thought. Have you ever used an umbrella in the bedroom, Steve? Mm, hold on, I have to think about that. No. Okay. Uh, running helps your entire body, not just your legs and lungs, feel better. When you run regularly, you feel lithe, springy and energetic. Yeah. You have a sense of power, obtainable from few other sources. Furthermore, an easy run of a few miles can cure minor indispositions, such as headaches or upset t- stomachs. Once, when a friend told me he wasn't feeling well, I asked him whether he was going to see a doctor. Running is my doctor, I said. <laughs> so, so an apple a day keeps the running away. <laughs> so, how's your throat, Andrew? <laughs> Still sore, Steve. Because I haven't been you, for a run. You haven't been if for I'd a been run. If I'd been for a run, I'd be... Tip-top health. Park run in the snow tomorrow. Okay, this comment contains a profound truth. Dale Nelson, who teaches physical fitness, told me recently about a 45-year-old student of his named Quinton Snow. That's another cool name. Quinton Snow. Oh, no, the other ones were better. Okay. A former pilot, Snow had undergone surgical removal of one-third of his stomach. He weighed 221 pounds. That's like over 100 kilos, I think. Could barely climb out of a swimming pool and suffered from a variety of medical problems. Snow joined Nelson's physical fitness class, started running, and within three and a half months had lost 40 pounds and had recovered from many of his ailments. At the last report, he could run six miles without stopping. Cool. That's nine kilometres. <sighs> the list of disorders that can be helped by running is a long one. Mike Levine has cerebral palsy. Now, that's interesting. Running with cerebral palsy. Hmm, okay. Um, oh, no! Um, Frank Endicott, the rugby league coach, didn't his son have cerebral palsy or he had some sort of palsy or... Yep. Was it palsy? I, I, I don't know. I, or multiple I, cerebral... No, I don't know what rugby You know, is. like, not that, not that the listeners will be able to see this, but, you know, they walk funny. Like, well, that is a palsy, yeah. Yeah, and he did a... I'm sure he did a marathon or something, and he's become like the... Disabilities Commissioner or Advocate or oh, something. Cool. Yeah, something along oh, those awesome. lines. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, this guy, he had cerebral palsy, and in spite of it, he not only completed a marathon, but also gained first place in the college and university division. Crikey. Wow. 
Uh, I, I, I don't want to knock his achievements or anything, but what do you reckon the field was like? Like, Well, we don't know, do we? They could have all been like me. Well, maybe all the other runners had cerebral palsy too. And he's just the fastest of the cerebral palsy all runners. All the paraplegics, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. How yeah. many different palsies are there? Well, palsy is a word for paralysis, really. So oh, okay. It's just that cerebral palsy is a type of uh, kind of birth problem that gives you a paralysis, but it can be a to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a lot of problems after I was born. Yeah, well, you still do, but... Yeah, not directly related to the birth. <laughs> um, more societal problems. Yeah. 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 Well, you did grow up in Invercargill. Yeah. But I can't comment on that, because I didn't. I, 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 can, I can tell you a lot about growing up in Invercargill. But we're nearly finished the chapter. We are, we are. Um, his father, Jack, an orthopaedic surgeon, told me, running has played a vital role in Mike's life. The change in his self-image permitted him to expand what had been an extremely circumscribed social life. Cool. Oh, it would, yeah. I do like the social life that goes around running, eh? Like, people think it's a solitary sport, cause especially trail running, but actually you but greet, you, you create a, a tight community that goes with it. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I made many friends out of running. Well, who are you talking to, Andrew? Well, Me. Well, <laughs> you're more of an associate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I did lend you my book, so I guess that counts as a friend. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm enjoying the book. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Most important. Okay, you're a friend then. <laughs> All right, it's a great book. <laughs> Most important I, though. I want the book back <laughs> yeah, you when you're done. I thought you had another copy. <laughs> You've got the hard back. <laughs> you can keep the soft copy. <laughs> yeah, most important though, running is fun. Speaking of books, did you know Richard Emerson's just released? Oh, it's a, a biography of Richard Emerson's just been released. So how is that book going to go? I was into beer, so I made some. Um, yeah, and I, I was, I'm deaf, and I managed to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah but you don't need your ears to make beer. It's not an autobiography. Someone else wrote it. So. Right, no, actually, it would be a good read because actually, he's he's made a hell of a company and a hell of a beer, hasn't yeah. he? Well, it's been it's been really pushed. Like it's all on the windows at University Bookshop. Yeah. Right. Okay. But anyway, do you reckon he's <coughs> going to get a knighthood one day? Knighthood for craft beer. I love that. Well, you, awesome. Well, you can get if a, I was to get a knighthood, that would be what I'd no, like. No, come on. You can get like a knighthood for kicking a ball around. So why can't you get a yeah, knighthood well, for making stupid. beer? Yeah, that's a good point. That would be much better. And for Christ's sake, the book's, like, the book's called The Hot Father, and part of its theme is the fact that he he. He, he kind of helped create the craft beer scene in New Zealand. Right, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, when you think of it, though, like when they do the honours list and all that sort of stuff, I do not get, uh, you know, when they have, like, New Zealand of the Year, I just do not get why people get, like, knighthoods or New Zealand of the Year for playing sports. I don't get it. Well, John Key got it for playing golf. Yeah. <laughs> the old smiling assassin, eh? Was that his golf nickname? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, more important though, running is fun. Well, <laughs> I reckon, like, say the last, maybe like the last ten or twenty k's of a hundred miler race is not fun. Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed the last part of Northburn. 
how like like when you could see the finish line? No, the last twenty twenty k's, it was all downhill ish, apart from that big uphill. And, and downhill uh, and then uphill again. Yeah, but I didn't really know that again. last uphill was coming, so it didn't make it less fun. And I thought, phew, I'm going to get there, and I thought I'm going to make it. Yeah. And I knew I was going to make it. So yeah. for the last twenty k's, I knew I was going to make it. Where the twenty k's before that, I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good story. Thank you. <laughs> carry it's on. true. It's Ca- true. Ca- all right, carry on with this story. Right, many of us have been brought up to feel that any physical effort must be made out of a sense of duty, not for the joy in it. Most physical training programs in schools certainly make us feel that way. But if you miss the pleasure in running, you miss its essence. Imagine an autumn day. The air is crisp and filled with bright, swirling leaves. I, le- I head out of my door, down a hill, through a park, and along a road that leads to woodland paths and broad beaches. I am stiff and creaky as I start, but within a few minutes I begin to sweat lightly, and my stride smooths out. Pheasants, rabbits, and squirrels scatter at the sound of my footsteps. I reach the halfway point near a flower garden and an old brick wall. Running easily, I glide along the edge of the sea through this, marsh... This guy definitely was like the, the post-Woodstock. Post so he's, he's still, he still had a bit of the hippie vibe going on, didn't he? I think he might have had a bit before he left on the run. He, yeah. he might have just taken his LSD. Just... <laughs> Yep, and then he's along a beach again. Soon I am home again, breathing lightly and feeling both spent and exhilarated, and just the remains of the mushrooms to sweep up off the floor. Mushrooms? No, he didn't say that. I just thought I'd add that. Oh, okay. Anyway, much the same thing happens, by the way, to runners who must do their running in competition with exhaust smoke, smog, and 18-wheelers. Any description of such an hour pales beside the experiencing of it, but the experience is, I guarantee it, very much there waiting for you. This helps to account for the growing popularity of runner running. It is why, for example, there are today some 2 million runners in the United mm. Kingdom, more than 25 million in the United States, but the physical benefits of running, as we shall see in the next chapter, are only the beginning. Mm. Hey, what's the worst place... You've ever run. Speaking of exhaust, smoke, smog, and 18-wheelers. The worst place of... You know, uh, Glenn Sutton did bad water recently. That would have been pretty disgusting. Mm. Considering the cars, there was no like traffic management. The road was open the whole time, and there was things like 18-wheelers going past. Um, let's see. <clears throat> um, well, I mean, I've never, I've never run anywhere that's really shitty. Like, I've always, I think I'm mostly, well, I mean, I, no, it's a tough one. Yeah. I've done a lot of track running. I ran in Phnom Penh. Right. It was smoky, hot, steamy, humid, and uh, two or three times I got bitten by dogs and had to pay a hundred bucks for the four sets of rabies shots. Oh, you need a dog stick. Well, I still, I, I mean, it was many times that I managed to fend off the dogs, but a couple of times I still got yeah. bitten. They would make people run faster, eh? Like, uh, you know how they have, like, the running of the bulls? You could have running of the rabid dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, speaking of dogs, and, um, actually, speaking of dogs, and speaking of the glorious Soviet Union... Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> did you know when Laika, the, the dog that they 
sent up into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stray dog. Really? Yeah. So whereas, you know, like the Americans, they, they got a bunch of chimps and spent millions of dollars and all that money to, training up the chimps to send them into space, uh, the Russians just rounded up some stray dogs from the streets of Moscow and um, and tested them for the temperament and like her one, so she got to go up to space and die. Well, that's pretty cool. That's 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 very communist. That's very egalitarian, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So any old dog will do. You don't have well, to be wasn't a, a any old Well, it wasn't any old dog. It's like they probably went, okay, where can we find a bunch of... But they're looking for a good dog, but they're not relying on the best breeding. No, well... It's to be a good dog. It's, it's all about the temperament. So, yeah. you know, can the... Can the Americans can... would have to take a dog that had come from a good family and got into Harvard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I think that was a good reading. Yeah. Um, I think we learned a lot. I, th- I think we um, learned that um, you can't trust a tulip smoker. No, that's sad. Yeah. So we'll we'll try again for that interview. Maybe um, maybe his capitalist overlords have got him working overtime. Could be, but I did notice from his LinkedIn profile that he is the manager. Ah. He's probably 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 cozied up in his ivory tower somewhere. Well, he might be preparing for the snow. I don't know what snow does to tulips. Hmm. Because there is a superstorm coming. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, all right. So, Andrew, um, do we need a uh, motivational quote? Um. What was that one that we we're talking about on the way up? Start saving now if you want a fecal implant transplant. <laughs> Well, no, no, it's, 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 it's related to suffering, isn't it? Suffering produces positive results. Um, well. And poo and shit. And yeah, the, there are, I think there's an analogy in that, hey? Uh, yeah. So the worst. So when life gives you a shit sandwich. Um, lose weight. Yeah. Yep, cool. Yeah. When life gives you a shit sandwich, lose weight. Yeah. Yep, that's a great okay. quote. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay, that's Thanks, it. Steve. Bye. You've outdone yourself this week. <laughs> Thanks.